Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we gather in His presence like this, we get to experience that freedom together. And it is beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say hello and have a seat. I love it. I've loved watching the past three services that will actually say to each other, have a seat as well. And so I love that you guys take it completely literal. And so, hey, it is so glad that you guys are here. It is great to see each and every single one of you. Uh, if you are a guest with us, welcome to the church. Uh, we're glad that you decided to join us for worship this morning. Hopefully, as you came and you saw a table out there with a the banner that says, first time guest, stop here. Uh, we hope that you will visit that. There's a free gift that's there waiting for you, and there's someone that is going to be there that can answer any questions that you might have about the church and give you any information. Uh, so definitely <clears throat> want to encourage you to stop at that table. Also, hopefully you got a program as you came in. There's a connection card in there. If you just want to fill that out, there's going to be some buckets that come by a couple songs from now. Uh, just drop that in there, and we're just going to reach out, just say hey, and answer any questions that you might have as well as a staff. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Also, if you just want to utilize that as a way to uh, have a prayer request or, or change your information for the database or uh, even just uh, sign up for a small group or volunteer, that is a great tool, so definitely want to encourage you to use that as well, and again, whatever it is, you can drop that in the buckets as they come by a couple songs from now. We're going to be taking our tithes and offerings at that time as well, uh, so there are many ways that you can give. This is just another way that we worship God here at Salem Fields Community Church. Uh, again, he's given us so much, and so it's just a way that we give, are able to give the first of what he's given us right back to him and say, God, you know, I want to honor you and worship you in this way. So there are many ways that you can give. Cash your check as the buckets come by. Or you can go out to one of the giving kiosks and give debit or credit out there online. Just click the little green button in the top right-hand corner. Or as always, you can give safely and securely through the Salem Fields Community Church app. Also, if you want to pull out your cell phones, you can also check in to whatever social media platform you use, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. It might seem like a really small and insignificant thing, uh, but we've heard countless of stories of people that have checked out uh, just church and faith in general uh, just by seeing one of those in their news feeds. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and again, you can even post it right now and say you can join us online uh, by joining the online uh, service at SalemFields.com slash live. Well, I just have one announcement for us, and that is Night to Shine is coming up, and it is coming up quick. This is an amazing, amazing night. Uh, sponsored by the Tim Tebow Foundation. He puts it on each and every single year, and it is a blast uh, just being able to celebrate with our distinguished guests, and it is incredible. And so there's still ways that you can be a part of it. There's a table out there. Go visit that out. Check all the ways that you can volunteer. Uh, there's going to be somebody there that can answer any questions that you have about that. Uh, it is 14 and up to volunteer. 14 and up to volunteer. And so there are many ways that you can serve. Uh, and then also, we're also looking for some sponsors. So if you have a, a small business or know someone that might be interested in connecting to that, or even, you know, you yourself just says, you know what, I, I want to donate to be a part of that, they can give you all that information out there as well. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. And so, well, we're going to continue to worship together. So let's stand to our feet and sing together.
this morning. We ask that you provide a blessing over this service, that you would speak to each of us, that you prepare our hearts to hear what you would have us hear. And we'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
being for anybody who struggles with a hurt, hang up, or habit. So whether you're somebody who was hurt as a child and you're still dealing with those issues, or you've got people pleasing hang ups and things that keep you stuck in relationships, or you're addicted to something, food, sex, alcohol, whatever it is, that Celebrate Recovery is really for anybody. In fact, that's the truth. Celebrate Recovery is for all of us because we've all been hurt and we've all hurt other people. We've all got things in our lives that keep us stuck and keep us frozen, things we wish we didn't deal with. And for many of us, we have these addiction issues that also just rob us of any joy or peace that we have in our life. The thing about Celebrate Recovery is that it's a biblical program and it's got eight principles that lead us from one place to the next place over one day at a time after one day at a time. So we begin where we realize that we're not God. We come out of denial. We face our fears. We face the problems that have keeping us stuck. We turn our lives over to Jesus. We do things like taking a moral inventory of our lives and we look at all the things that we've done have been done to us to help us come out of that. We talk to other people about what's happening. Then at the end, we serve other people because we believe that God uses our pain so that we can help other people when they go through pain. We have some people that have gone through Celebrate Recovery for years that have dealt with issues like anxiety and they wake up every morning in a cold sweat and they just look at their day and they think, how am I gonna get through today? By working the principles and steps of recovery, they're able to find day by day freedom over that issue. We have other people who are severely depressed and they also need to find a way out. There's people like me who struggle with anxiety and am a recovering alcoholic. And I know that when I'm hurting, I medicate. Now, I haven't medicated with alcohol for over a decade, but I can find anything, whether it's working out or whether it's you know, spending money or anything, just give it to me and I will overdo it. And so we find that we've got these issues and what we need to do is we come clean about it. We talk to each other about it. We talk to God about it. We allow him to work in our lives and to find the thing that's really causing us pain. You know, the reality of it is, is that whatever we're doing tends to be a symptom. We think I need to come to recovery because I drink too much or I'm online too much or I spend too much money. And while that's true, we need to get out that simple behavior. We need to root it out. The truth is, is that often the reason we're doing those things are buried deeper inside of us. And so that's what recovery allows us to do. It allows us to find that, that pain that's in our lives, that's keeping us frozen, keeping us stuck. Good morning. You know, I was sitting here thinking, I, I've got a little bit of, you know, stage fright, anxiety, or whatever that I've had over the years, and it's getting better, and it's getting better, but one thing I don't know that I'll ever get over is the fear that they're going to turn my mic on while I'm singing. <laughs> I don't think that will ever go away. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ that struggles with anger, control, fear, cycles of self-destruction. But I've got victory over drugs, alcohol, and tobacco for almost seven years now. My name is Joe. 
So I want to use our time together today to talk about Celebrate Recovery and how it offers true freedom. So he was founded in 1991 by a guy named John Baker who lived in Lake Forest, California. John had attended small groups in his church, and those people just didn't seem to understand his addictions and compulsive behaviors, at least not openly. He had also attended other recovery meetings, but he didn't seem to be free to talk about his faith. So John did what any normal person would do, and he sat down and wrote a 13-page letter to the head pastor at Saddleback Church, Rick Warren. 13 pages, single-spaced, they point out every time they mention that letter. See, Rick read the letter, and he responded pretty appropriately. He said, John, that's a great idea. Go for it. As we know it today, Celebrate Recovery is a program based on the word of Jesus, and it uses eight recovery principles, which are based on scriptures found in the Beatitudes, as well as the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it frees members of addictive and compulsive behaviors such as drug addiction, alcoholism, sex addiction, food addiction, gambling addiction, unforgiveness, depression, anxiety, or in case I forgot anything, any hurt, habit, or hang-up which is something that keeps us from our relationship with God and others. So who needs CR? So to look to the person to your left and say, you, no, I'm just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> to the person to your left and say, I need CR. To the person to your right, say it again, I need CR. So I once heard a story about a man who was talking to his doctor and he said, Doc, I think my wife's really starting to lose her hearing, but it's kind of a touchy subject, and I don't know how to bring it up. He said, well, first, let's get a gauge of how bad it is. He said, I want you to say something to her from across the room and see if she can hear you. If not, move a little bit closer, so on and so on, so you figure out, you know, how bad it is. I said, man, that's perfect. So later that night, during the kitchen, she's by the sink, he's by the, the entryway, and he says, honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. Takes a couple steps closer. Honey, what's for dinner? No answer. It gets right up behind her. Honey, what's for dinner? She turns around. For the third time, chicken. <laughs> See, we get caught up in paying attention to other people's failures. Their hurts, habits, or hang-ups that we don't pay much attention to our own. So I actually have a different outlook on this. I know that with me personally... When I'm overly critical of somebody else, you know, where a crooked sock gets on my nerves, somebody's untied shoe sets my day into a different dimension, smart mouth comment or a nasty look, it's usually because I'm trying to avoid paying attention to what's going on inside of me. It's like we spend time focusing on other people's failures just so we can find someone worse than us or at least something to distract us. It truly is like my red light analogy, my traffic light analogy. When you run a red light, what's the first thing you do? You look in the rearview mirror to see if somebody ran the light behind you. Because if they did, you're good. <laughs> somebody did it worse than you. We have to stop trying to identify these things in other people. Start identifying the things in our lives that need healing. So how do we do that? One thing I don't want to glance over, though, is we have to take comfort in the fact that we care enough to even to try to identify what these things are. Let's not lose sight of the fact that it is a victory to stop and say, I need help. 
There is no shame in saying, man, I might have a problem. That is step one, victory one. Don't short sell that. It is huge to stop and say, I might have a problem. But what do you do when your sickness isn't what you thought it was? What happens when you misdiagnose the problem? I'm a plumber by trade, as some of you may know. And a misdiagnosis happens from time to time. Not me, but other people that do that. (laughs) They get it wrong. But man, a misdiagnosis can get ugly. Running toilet, dripping faucet, leaky pipe. If it's not treated properly and thoroughly, can a lot of times turn into a larger issue. It may not even be so obvious. So let's just say you've got the beginning of a diagnosis. Let's say you're at a point where you've admitted you might need a little bit of help, even if you don't know what that help looks like. Now what? Well, I'd propose that you attend a meeting. It's a great idea, right? We have them every Thursday night here at 7 p.m. in the Rubicon Cafe. And I say every Thursday night all weeks because one thing we've decided is we never want there to be a Thursday where somebody may have spent the entire week working up the nerve to come to a meeting and then we're not here for some reason. The last thing I want is for somebody to work up the nerve to come in here and we're not here. They may never come back again. So even if we're not having a meeting for any reason that week, there will be somebody here to talk to at 7 p.m. on a Thursday. CR is a worldwide organization. There's meetings all over. Even in this general area, from Stafford to Spotsylvania, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four days out of seven that you can attend a meeting. And I'm sure at this point, you're wondering what it might look like if you were to attend a meeting. Hey, what's up, bro? You all right? You look like all sad and stuff. Well, I was thinking about going to this Celebrate Recovery program at church tonight. Dude, you're doing drugs? Seriously? Wow. What? No, no. Is it like cocaine or is it like something really crazy like meth? I am not on drugs. Oh, so a drinking problem then? No, it's nothing like that at all. I'm having a problem with porn, okay? Okay, too much information. (laughs) But seriously then, why are you even going, dude? Let me paint you a picture of what you are in for. Those programs are creepy. All right, you are going to be in a dark corner of the dirtiest basement you have ever been in. And the people there are going to be from every corner of their criminal world, just out of jail and mad because they want a fix. When you walk in there, the group leader will be scary and like expecting you to share every detail of your life. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery. Is your name? Uh, Brian? What is your addiction? Uh, I have an addiction to porn. And then everybody's gonna, like, look at you all crazy. Not heroin? Not alcohol? If you're not addicted to drugs or alcohol, what are you doing here? And that's what's going to happen if you go. Ugh, 
I can't believe I'm doing this. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery. My name is Heather. I'm the ministry leader here. Oh, hello. Uh, this is definitely not what I had pictured. Oh, that's okay. We get that a lot. Celebrate Recovery is for real people with real problems looking for real solutions through Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds great. I have a real problem for sure, so just coffee and talking about problems, that's it? No, there's more to it than that. We have a lot more fun, though, than what people realize. Showing up is really the first step. Everyone can benefit from Celebrate Recovery. We all struggle with some kind of hurt, habit, or hang-up. CR offers a safe place where people can find acceptance and support with the things that they struggle with. Well, I'm going to grab some coffee then. What's next? Next, we're going to head into our large group time and learn about the truth. Uh, the truth? The truth is everyone needs recovery in Jesus Christ. Celebrate recovery might seem a bit different, but come by and you might just discover that it's exactly what you were searching for. Truth is, that video we found on YouTube about a year ago, and we were hesitant to even play it in our leadership training because he said the word porn two or three times. Then I realized this is real life. We can't continue to put this church face on and stand up here and be watered down while we're not talking about real problems that go on in our congregation. Guys, how many times, and I'm talking about myself here, do you threaten your children's lives in the backseat of the car on the way into church and then put on a smile when you walk through the door? And then you bottle up anything that happened in the couple hours you're here and threaten to beat them on the way back out the door. Like, that's real life. Everybody's heard the word porn. Everybody knows what it is. We've got people in here right now that have a problem with it. If you had a serious disease or a sickness, it wouldn't even be an option to not get help. Nobody gets diagnosed with cancer and decides they're just going to ride it out and see what happens. Why should a hurt, habit, or hang-up be any different? A few minutes ago, I mentioned a misdiagnosis, but another thing we do is that we place some failures ahead of others. It's like we have this list of sins from bad to worse. We rank them like some are different. But for me, when I go back to the, the manual, you know, the book of Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. I look in James chapter 2, and in verse 10 he says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And I kind of lean in a little bit when James says something because James was Jesus' brother. Well, I guess half-brother. Kind of hard to be a full brother to Jesus. but See, James grew up with him. He got to see the real Jesus. Can you imagine that, tattling on Jesus for not cleaning his room? (laughs) But something must have happened so significantly because James was actually a leader of the early church and died a martyr's death for what he believed in. So if James believed that Jesus was who he said he was, it stands a pretty good reason that I can believe that Jesus was who he said he was. But back to the point, the definition of a hurt, habit, or hang-up is anything that gets in the way of our relationship with God or others. So you may not be doing drugs, getting drunk, lying, cheating, or stealing, but is it really any different if you struggle with porn, lust, impure thoughts, shopping, unforgiveness, overeating, gambling, overworking? 
It's like Johnny said in the video, and I say Johnny because you know, I know he looked a little young to start this in 91. That's actually John Baker's son. So Johnny Baker, who also struggled and is an alcoholic, is the son of the man who founded CR in 1991. So nobody's immune to it. But like Johnny said, I'm the same way. I may not have medicated with drugs and alcohol, and I'm struggling with that right now, honestly. I've got seven years of sobriety coming up on the 19th, but I struggle with stuff that's manifesting itself in other ways, the same root cause of that. So I feel like a fraud celebrating a sobriety anniversary, anniversary and God said, stop. You've got victory there. Don't lose sight of it. I'm still working in you. I'm still working on you. But don't lose sight of what you've already conquered. Man, I can relate to Johnny way more than I'd like to. We all know the answer about ranking the sins, though. We just don't want to face it. We know it's no different at all. Our next question is probably the most important. Say, okay, I've admitted maybe, maybe, maybe there's something that needs attention in my life. I've attended one of your meetings, but do I really need to heal from anything? Do I really need help? One of the greatest quotes I've ever read went like this. If you don't heal from what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. I just, that hits deep. Anyone ever experienced this before? This is where all of our problems culminate. We admit we have a problem. We acknowledge we need to do some work to fix it. But then what does it look like to fix it? We see a story in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going to the temple at prayer time, and a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter says, hey, look at us. And the guy gets excited, thinking he's getting ready to get something from him. Peter goes, hey, man, sorry, I wear a robe. I don't, no pockets, you know, don't carry cash on me. You know, the same way we treat the people standing outside of the mall asking for money. Sorry. Don't carry cash. Peter says, sorry, God, I don't have any cash on me. I can't give you what you're looking for. But what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the Bible says he took him by the hand and the man jumped to his feet. Also in the book of Luke, chapter 5, we see another interaction. This is early on in Jesus' ministry. People are coming from all over to listen to him, and this group of men show up carrying their friend on a mat. Now, can you imagine the scene of how hectic this must be if they can't even, like the crowd won't get out of their way carrying this crippled man in on a mat? The people are packed so tight and won't let them by, but they don't care. They climb up on the roof, and they actually dig through the roof. And I say dig through because we think a roof like we see it today. This was in the first century. I can't imagine they had plywood and shingles back then. It's probably mud, sticks, mortar. So they dig a hole in the roof and lower the guy through the center of the crowd to the feet of Jesus. And in verse 20 it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. I think there was some confusion on the guy's face. My sins are forgiven. Jesus, we did all this work to bring this guy in here. We lowered him through the roof to your feet, and you forgive him of his sins. Now, Jesus does end up healing the guy physically, but what's really more important, physical healing 
of spiritual healing and being in a right relationship with your heavenly father. So similar to the video, there is coffee and refreshments before a Celebrate Recovery meeting that we have here on Thursday nights. But the best news of all is that Jesus is there. Very similar to a normal church service. We have a couple of worship songs, prayer, and then on alternating weeks, we read either the eight principles or the 12 steps of recovery. So to give you a little look behind the scenes, we're going to actually do that together today. I'm going to read the principle, or I'm sorry, the step, and then everyone will read the corresponding Bible verse together. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors that our lives had become unmanageable. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Romans 7:18. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these character defects of character. We humbly asked him to remove all our shortcomings. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. We made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. We continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and power to carry that out. Having had a spiritual experience as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. I wonder why we oppose freedom so openly sometimes. I wonder why we stay hidden and stay inside of our shells. 
while we slowly just rot on the inside of it. I can tell you some of the reasons I've heard from people already in the short time that I've been involved in this ministry. The number one reason people give is that I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol, so I don't need to celebrate recovery. But if there's one thing you hear me say today, please let it be that celebrate recovery is not just for people who struggle with chemical dependency. Worldwide, chemical dependency is probably less than 40% of the membership of Celebrate Recovery. Less than half of the people that attend Celebrate Recovery are for drugs and alcohol. But one of the greatest feelings of victory I've had since being involved with this ministry is when someone sits in a group and says, wow, I didn't know something like this even existed. Where I could come in here and just talk about what's going, the, the crap in my life. Because you know what, nine times out of ten, if you're in a group and somebody's sharing and you're going around the room, before it even gets to you, somebody else has said something that made you feel better about yourself. Wow, that guy said everything I was getting ready to say. People blame all kinds of things. They don't have time prior commitments, busy schedules, but whatever it may be, none of the excuses are acceptable. They're just that, excuses. Say we want to be free. Say we want healing. We want deliverance from our hurt habit and hang up, but we don't want to put in the work. You have to do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. Is anybody like me a fan of the show The Office when it was still running? Pre-Steve Carell leaving, those were the best days. The one episode where Michael takes Meredith to rehab and he's dragging her in by the collar and tries to drop her off at the front desk. The person at the desk says, oh, apparently it doesn't work like that. You can't just drop somebody off at rehab. See, one of the most heartbreaking things that happens is when we have a table set up like we do today or somebody just stops by the booth to talk to us about Celebrate Recovery. It's never for them. They always have somebody in mind. Boy, I've got a son, I've got a nephew, I've got an uncle, I've got a brother, I've got somebody that really needs to come talk to you. And I'd love to be more encouraging, but I just got to tell them until they're ready to come talk to me. Just pray for them. So let's go back to your little uh, bulletin, fill in the blank number one. There are three blanks on your form there. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to put three names in those blanks. Usually you'd think I want you to spend the day coming up with three names, somebody who needs CR, pray about it, hope they come. The three names that I want you to put on that list are me, myself, and I. You've heard of the Holy Trinity, that's the unholy trinity. <laughs> Anybody know who this is? Otis, it's my buddy Otis Campbell. Otis was the Mayberry Town drunk on the old Andy Griffith show. One thing that I always found funny about Otis is how he'd waltz into the jail. If it was locked, he'd take the key off the wall, open the cell, let himself in, lay down, sober up, wake, in the, wake up in the morning, let himself back out. It's funny, right? But how often do we do the same thing? We open the cell, let ourselves in, stay in bondage. Get the keys in our pocket the whole time. I guess the cell can be comfortable, but it's not where he wants you. See, God literally busted the gates of hell wide open so you could run out, yet we stumble back in. How about this? Have you ever held a fully inflated beach ball under the water? 
takes a little bit of stress to hold that thing underwater, doesn't it? I think that's maybe why as Christians we're uptight sometimes because we're trying to hide our, I guess I'm the only one that's ever met an uptight Christian. <laughs> we're struggling to hold it under. The worst part is when you finally let it go, what happens? It doesn't gently come floating back up to the surface. It flies out of the water, splashing stuff everywhere. The deeper you hold it under, the more violent it comes flying back out of the water and the more of a mess it creates. If you don't heal from what hurts you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. And at this time, I'm going to ask some friends to come up and share some of their thoughts on why they think CR is important. And don't worry, nobody was forced to be up here. If you come to CR, it will not be a requirement to get up on stage and speak. But also, let's not lose sight of the fact that these are people who may struggle with public speaking. Terrified to come up here. I didn't mean to look at you when I said that, Teresa. But they're following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. They're being obedient and sharing what's on their heart. Hi, I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with insecurity, people-pleasing, and a host of other human deficits. But thanks to God, I have victory over alcohol and nicotine, and my name is Cherie. Hey, Cherie. At CR, the reason we introduce ourselves this way is because our identity is in Jesus Christ, not our habits, hurts, and hang-ups. I want to highlight just a few reasons why I love CR. It is all about Jesus. We start with praising Jesus through worship songs, but don't worry, Joe does not lead that part. <laughs> Followed by a short, real, relevant, and biblical message, it also includes prayer, strategies, tools, and testimonies. Finally, we break into small group to share if you want to. Nobody has to. You can welcome to just listen, but we have a lot of prayer and fellowship during that time, too. I strongly encourage anyone who struggles with life at all, who wants to get closer to God and maybe wants to hear Joe sing, please join us on Thursday nights at 7 at CR. I'm trying to encourage people to come, so <laughs> don't tell them I'm going to be singing. You know, I noticed last night, sorry to cut you off, Josh, it really, I got a complex after Cherie said she's a people pleaser. That's one of her hurts, habits, or hangups. I'm like, now I feel bad. Did I pressure her to be up here? She's just being a people pleaser, or does she really want to be up here? So... We all struggle together. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles. And uh, actually, right now I'm struggling with being here. I'd rather slam my foot into a sliding glass door. But here I am. Um, you know, it's just funny. I kind of got talked into coming to the CR almost peer pressure. Uh, it's because Joe and, and Mark are going. And you know, I didn't have anything to work on. I was great. So I figured I'd go, you know, hang out, drink some coffee. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Over time, you start learning exactly um, what the human capacity for self-delusion is, and it's infinite. And so over time, you start learning a little thing about yourself. I like, you know, I didn't like talking. I didn't like, I don't like sharing now. I like talking about myself. I don't like talking about my problems. That comes from a place, and, and I don't trust people, right? So that's a wound. That's a hurt. That's a habit. That's a hang-up. And so over time, I start realizing, you know, I've been compensating for like a really long time. And a lot of us compensate in a lot of different ways. Um, you guys want to see something compensating-wise? Check this out. Watch this. All right? Yeah, y'all aren't impressed. But what's fun <laughs> is that I don't have the nerves to do that. Actually, they're, they're paralyzed. So I'm actually compensating right now, and your mind is so capable 
of doing that, that even if you're hurt to the point of it being detrimental, you learn to compensate, you learn to cope, you learn to get over it, you learn to move on, but you're not really dealing with it, but it's hurting you, right? So if I just let that be and then go to therapy and try to get it better, I'm never gonna get any better, right? I'm just gonna ignore it, hope it goes away, but it's never going to. So by acknowledging it and by working on it, we start finding healing. And that's what CR allows you to do. It allows you to come in and start talking to people, finding out that just like 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no affliction that you struggle with that's not common to mankind. That we all have the same things that we're working through. So I encourage you guys to show up on Thursday night. And uh, I'm passing the mic. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with uh, anxiety, anger this week. Um, but I have victory over nicotine and a childhood trauma. And my name is Teresa. Um, um, I joined CR, I think, because Joe asked. Um, Joe and I met on a mission trip, and we got to spend one afternoon in L.A. picking up cigarette butts. And we thought, wow, how funny is this? Our, our penance for being smokers, you know, back in the day. So um, uh, I joined CR also because I have addiction in my family. Uh, so I thought... Well, I should join because they all need help, right? <laughs> and so whether that addiction is cigarettes or alcohol or drugs, or in my case, food, um, it's all the same. It's all um, putting a block between my relationship with Christ. Um, and so I'm working on that, and these folks uh, help. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. Welcome. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, I struggle with many things. Uh, I was from... Anxiety, fear, depression, obsession, uh, but I do celebrate the freedoms because of Jesus Christ uh, from alcohol, chemical dependency, nicotine, and many others he is slowly working on because of CR. And my name is Mark. Hey, Mark. Um, I'd like to share a little bit about CR. You basically, you're in a CR meeting right now. This is what we do, and this is what y'all do. <laughs> we, uh, it is pretty neat, and it's fun. Um, I think the biggest thing to take away is the growth between each other of watching what Christ is doing in each and every one of us. Um, the more we pour out, which we do in our share groups after we break from a large group, we get to sit around, men and women are separate, They'd, um, and we just get in there and we get to sometimes share, sometimes not. It all depends on what's on your heart that week, like, you know, what she's struggling with this week, what I'll be struggling with next week, it's all different, that's why it's weekly. Some things uh, take longer than others. But in, in the case, the more you pour out, the more he fills in, and it just slowly removes itself. Um, and I encourage each and every person to just stop by the table, look and see if any of the pamphlets may, um, may fit something that you've got going on in your life. If anything else, just come out and give it a try. We, we, we'd be love to have you, and I uh, hope to see you there. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Give my hand. It reminded me of a story. Anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? He was a sales trainer back in the 90s. And he had this uh, story about this lady who met him before a show one time. She said, I need help. I can't stand the people at my job. I can't stand working there. I'm ready to quit. And he said, well, I want you to come up with a list of the reasons you love your job. She said, that'll be easy. There's nothing I don't like that I love about that job. He said, well, do you get paid to work there? Yeah. You get time off, you get benefits, and slowly they came up with this list of things she loved about her job. So he told her to go home every night, look in the mirror, and repeat these things. I love my job because, I love my job because. It's about two weeks later, he sees her before a show, and 
He said, she was grinning so big she could have ate a banana sideways. <laughs> and he said, the first thing she did is run up to him and said, Zig, you won't believe how much those people at my job have changed since I saw you. <laughs> it's amazing how when you start working on you, the people around you tend to change. But in John chapter 5, we see a story. It's one that's been taught on a million times. I've even used it in the message, but God put it there for us, so I'm going to use it again. In verse 6, Jesus approaches the man who was laying next to the pool and asks him one simple question. Do you want to get well? can't tell you how many times I've had, I had to ask people that at a CR meeting. They come in and I'll say, look, just shoot me straight. Are you coming in here to manage your problem? Or do you want full freedom from it? Because we're not here to help you manage your drinking, manage your smoking, manage your anger. But what does this really mean, do you want to get well? It's pretty profound, but how deep do you want to go with it? On the surface, it seems like a stupid question. Of course I want to get well. Why would you even ask me that? What does getting well look like? What do my friends think? Yeah, I can think of a time, Mark, he's not here anymore, I think he walked out, but he went on a fishing trip after he stopped drinking. He said, man, this is going to be tough. This will be the first striper trip I've been on without drinking, and everybody else on that boat's going to be drinking. Man, I'm going to be a whole new person. Will I like this new person? See, this is real life. This is something that happened to me. My wife and I both got sober, and I was in fear for my marriage and my family. Is she going to love the sober me? Am I going to love the sober me? But we can justify anything. I think I used that for a while. Well, I'm going to keep using because I don't know what it's going to look like to stop. If I'm a hero. I'm going to save my family by continuing to use because it may just upset the apple cart to get well. In verse 7, the guy has a pile of excuses. No one will help me into the pool. It's not my fault. I don't have a ride. There's no child care. I'm busy on Thursday nights. Let me tell you, someone will come pick you up. We will have child care. And there's other nights of the week than Thursday that you can find a group. Once you interact with Jesus and make up your mind that you want to get well, come hell or high water, you will get well. See, I need all you guys. I need the people in Celebrate Recovery. I need everybody in this church because I'm just like Peter. When I'm in front of Jesus and the disciples and I've got my close group around me, yes, Lord, I'll fight with you to the death. I love how Jesus kind of like, oh, you're cute. <laughs> No, Lord, I don't care what you say. You know, God, I don't care what you say. I know what I'm going to do. But then when he's all alone, he denies him. And man, I wish I'd only done it three times. There was a guy that went up on the roof of his house during a flood because the waters were rising. This rescue boat came by and offered him a ride, and he said, no thanks. God's going to save me. Well, water keeps rising. The guy gets up to the highest peak of the highest point of the house on the roof, and a helicopter comes by this time. 
Come on, hop in. Nah, I'm good, guys. God's got me. A few minutes later, the guy drowns. Dies, goes to heaven, sees God, and he's just dumbfounded. God, what happened? Thought you were going to save me. God looks at him and says, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. What else did you want? Today's your boat and your helicopter. En route to a destination of freedom. Come to a meeting and I promise you, we won't try to fix you. We don't, it's literally in our guidelines. We are not here to fix one another. We don't want to fix you. We just want to introduce you to the one who can. Trust me, I can't fix me. I'm not going to try to fix you. So in closing, we're going to read the serenity prayer. And it may be a little longer than the hallmark version that you may be used to. But if we could all stand and read it together, and then we'll worship in our last song. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Now I'm standing calm. 
swear that's got to be like the CR anthem because you can't be thankful for scars without Jesus. But see, scars mean something's healed. And like we said earlier, if you don't heal from what cuts you, you'll bleed on people that didn't hurt you, and scars don't bleed. And make today be that day where you say, you know what, I've had enough. I see you. I see you. You're tired. You're sick of fighting. It's exhausting. I'm, I know it. Yeah, we got a bunch of us traffic cones walking around. The front of this shirt says, ask me about CR. The back of it says, follow me to CR. Whichever one you got to do, do it. Anybody that's got one of these shirts on has made a pledge to talk to you about CR. Just stop somebody. Send an email, joe at salemfields.com. Small groups, salemfields.com. Reach out to somebody. That's all it takes. And you see everybody, the people that got on stage. I didn't even know I needed it. I came just to have something to do on Thursday nights. Yeah, we're going to expose some stuff. But it's so beneficial for the long term. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for scars. I thank you for your scars. I thank you for the healing that allows us to have scars that we're thankful for. Lord, I know you've stirred many hearts this weekend, and I just ask that you keep that fire burning throughout the week. I know Thursday's too many days away sometimes, but I just hope that that fire stays burning to give people the courage to walk in here on Thursday if they need it. Lord, I just ask that you keep hearts and minds open and just give us the strength to keep pushing through this just tangled web we weave and just to help deliver us and give us the true freedom that's found only in you. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen. Open the gates of